This is the EWN Podcast Network. Are you a speaker who has an inspiring, insightful message that will help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? If the answer is yes, we invite you to become a pro member of the eWomen Speakers Network. We have over 500,000 women connected through 118 chapters spread across North America. We're looking for speakers to share their wisdom and breakthrough ideas. Go to eWomenNetwork.com and join our Speakers Network. The benefits for pro speakers are incredible. Go to eWomenNetwork.com. If you're someone that feels like you have a lot to say, but either you're afraid to say it, or you just feel like you're not being heard, then meet Carrie MacArthur. Hi, I'm Carrie. If you have ever felt like you're invisible or that you want to be invisible, like you've lost touch with who you are, I just want you to know that I understand. I was there and I have spent the last six years of my life reconnecting to myself, my power, and my purpose. And now it is my passion to help you to dare to find your voice. So if you're ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. So I've had this um, vision, I guess, of bringing my husband Dave in on a regular basis on these podcasts, just because I think it's fun to get to know people um, on a real level. And you, Dave, are real. a part of, you're real. <laughs> you are real. He's tangible. Look, he even has a voice. <laughs> He has more than a voice, like I could touch his hand if I wanted right now. So, <laughs> but he's a big, you're a big part of who I am, you know. it's a, you've, We've been married for 27 years almost in December, which is just a month away. And um, we have five kids. You know, more of my life now, I've been married to, to Dave than not. So you are a part of who I am. And so I just thought it would be fun to be able to introduce the rest of me to everybody through these podcasts. And... Um, even those that, you know, listen to Mechanic to Millionaire, which is the podcast that, that Dave started. And then I came in as the color, (laughs) the, the storyteller of the show. And, you know, we do that together. So even if you know us through Mechanic to Millionaire, I just think it's fun to get, you know, some of the questions and answers like, what about you? So I thought it would be fun to just kind of talk really quick about how we met, Mm. you know, um, Mm -hmm. Dave and I, we met at the end of August in 1990. We were engaged on October 1st of 1990, and we were married December 7th of 1990. So three months from beginning to beginning. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of, a, I think back, I used to think, we don't have a story, you know, a love story, but wow, we have quite a story. And so my version, just really quick, I was going to school um, and that's what I thought my future held. I knew that someday I wanted to be married. I knew that was my ultimate um, completion goal. And I just didn't feel like it was for me as far as I didn't think that um, anybody would want to marry me, honestly. So I just kind of sour grapes it and went through because I loved school. I felt this passion to just 
move forward. And I really wanted to study. I was studying French. I wanted to speak French. I wanted to live in France. I wanted to just be French. That was my goal. And then my mom, I was, only, I was 19. I was a sophomore at college. And my mom and dad had moved to Salt Lake City from Richfield. We lived in a small town, central Utah. And they moved into this new city, this new place, and um, I went to visit them, and my mom said, there's this hunk I saw running up the street. I'm like, Mom, don't. Don't set me up, because first of all, any hunk that you think is a hunk, I'm not going to agree with you, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) That's so rude. Um, And and then... That's the way it is, though, with parents and kids, right? It is, yeah. Um, And then I I was like, and I I don't want... Today, I hate being set up more than anything. I hated being set up. I don't want to go and have these expectations that this person might like me and then know that they're not going to. That was how I looked at dating and, and myself, honestly. So she tricked me and had me make a plate of eclairs to take to the neighbors. And I went over my, I had just gotten off work. I had my belt undone. I didn't have shoes on. My hair was a mess. I don't know why my hair was a mess after getting off work. That's kind of funny, but that's what I remember anyways. Um, I go over, I take the plate, and the Dave was living with his brother, who was the next-door neighbor. So Dave was brand new to the area as well. And um, I, as soon as I walked in, I handed the plate of eclairs to Dave's brother. He said, hold on, I want you to meet somebody. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I have just been tricked. <laughs> so I'm standing there going, oh my gosh, let's just get this over with. And then up walks Dave, and seriously, Angel started singing. There was this vision of this Adonis that I had honestly been dreaming about. Like It was like, this is the guy in my dreams. And anyway, the rest was history. I didn't think he would ask me out. I thought, well, at least I saw him, so that was lovely. And he, I don't, he won't call me. He won't ask me out. But you did. You called me. And I then did. We went out and... And now we're married 27 years with five kids and four grandbabies. Well, and when um, your mom had you do that with the play, I didn't know they weren't like, hey, this girl's coming over from next door. That, that I had no clue. I was downstairs in the basement in the room doing whatever I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what was going on in my life at that time was uh, – I'd played sports. So if I look back on my childhood, who was I? I was the guy that played football and, and baseball. And then when high school came around, I got into wrestling. And uh, towards the probably 10th grade, 11th grade, about 10th grade, I started surfing, and, and that kind of um, took over a lot of my life. Um, but I was, uh, always felt like I was going to be like this professional athlete. And that was... the the, the dream that I had. And so when I had moved, uh, I was playing baseball uh, after high school. I was playing baseball in Orange County, California. And, and that's where I grew up. If you're familiar with the area, uh, Disneyland was right down the street. I could ride my bike around it. And um, so I just had this feeling that I needed to get out of there and um I didn't want to pursue a path. I, I, I can look back now and say this at that time, it was just like, you're confused and you know, you're trying to figure life out and, and you have some ideas that you, you want your life to be. And I just felt like I needed to move out of there. And the option was my brother lived in, in Salt Lake 
And I could never really hold a job. I mean, with sports and just jobs didn't keep my attention. Um, and uh, so coming up there, I knew that this was an opportunity maybe just to move in with him and then find a job and, and a way to be able to get by financially. Um, but the main reason I was moving up was just to play baseball. And I was going to uh, play at one of the universities there. And Which is funny to me. I'm I know, because right? He was on sense. a semi-pro team in California where there's pro teams. Utah, there's no pro baseball yeah. team. So there wouldn't be a semi-pro. So he was coming up to play baseball when he was already playing baseball in a place where there was actually an opportunity like to do huge, so. Like a huge, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. you know. So I always laugh about that, but anyway. Yeah, and it didn't really make sense. But I, I at that point, I was pretty burnt out on sports anyways. and uh, But not knowing that, um, I just, anyways, I moved there and and uh, got a job. And um, it didn't end up ever going. I went down and visited with the coach once, and then there was a follow-up visit after that, and I never went back to it. <laughs> <laughs> I got married instead. Yeah, I kind of. So when you came up, him. you know, when you came up, I was, I mean, it was part of the long-term vision that I had for myself was finding a, a, a beautiful specimen and uh, beautiful specimen. a beautiful woman. <laughs> and uh, But what was more important, what was just as important was that they were beautiful on the inside. And because I knew that the decision I was going to be making about who I married was the single greatest, most important decision that I would make in my lifetime. And so it was something that I was preparing myself for in some ways, but I didn't know it was going to happen like this at all. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. ding dong, you know, and, yeah. and so what happened, my brother comes downstairs and he says, Hey, come up here real quick. I just want to introduce you to somebody. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? You know, just not even really not even thinking just, about it really. Well, it just kind of threw me for a loop. Um, and so, uh, in a good way, <laughs> as it turns out. And so when I saw you, yeah, I um, just was, was was grateful for that moment. I remember feeling something but not recognizing it now. In hindsight, I could look back and say, you know, that, like you had said, uh, pretty much the same feelings. Um, and then we did go out like a couple times and then we were married. <laughs> no, but it was so fun being together and it's still like that, like, if we're going to run around town, we ask each other, if, you know, if one of us wants mm-hmm. to go with the other person. And, and I love that. That's to me, that's some of my favorite is just running down to the hardware store or going to Costco or just being in the car together and driving together and, and walking together mm-hmm. um, and being by each other's side. Which is what we did. Like, I even look back, the kids will say, did you guys, what did you guys do when you dated? I'm like, well, I don't think we dated. <laughs> Not like typical date, like do you want to go out or do you want to go? I think we went to one movie, um, but we went on a lot of walks and we talked mm-hmm. a lot. And I just remember being able to talk to you like I'd never been able to talk to anybody and you would listen to me and that was huge for me. And like I could just share anything and I didn't feel like I had to filter. And I just remember thinking, whoa, this is like, wow. And I also, I didn't realize that we were a thing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I even had, we even had a friend that she wasn't even really a friend. Like it, I was brand new to the neighborhood, but we went to lunch one time and she was like, so tell me about this Dave MacArthur guy. And I'm like, Oh, she's like, are you guys dating? I'm like, I don't think so. We're just really good friends. You know, we talk a lot. She's like, Oh, 
because I'm kind of thinking maybe I want to get him to ask me out. And I'm like, yeah, he'd be fun to go out with. <laughs> and I'm like, anyway, it was so just funny. But it was like the next week we were, <laughs> yeah, the next week we were engaged. And then I was, she was mad at me, I think. But that's neither here nor there. But it, I remember when, when you asked me to marry you, I don't think you had planned on it. No, I mean, not there at that time. No, there wasn't a plan. Like we had barely even like held hands at that point. Like it was like we, I always say we didn't hold hands for a long time, but we were only it was only three months from meeting to married, so it wasn't that long. Yeah. But you know there wasn't that much physical contact at the beginning, but it was just this spiritual connection. And I remember I, there were angels there. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I remember you looked up into the to the sky be, behind me before you asked me, and you first had to ask me. There if was I some loved contemplation you. going on. There was, yeah. and I, I looked to me like you're having a conversation with someone. And um, hey, you well, asked yeah, me first. So let do you me love rephrase me? that contemplation. <laughs> there was a, a communication going on that I didn't realize in the, that moment, but it yeah. was like, really, like ask her right now. <laughs> and I was getting this feeling of like, whatever he says, just say yes. So he first asked me, "Do you love me?" And I was like, "Oh, I guess that would be an important question." And I didn't know how to. I would tell myself, "I don't even know how to be alone with a boy," even though I was alone with you, you know, a lot talking. Mm-hmm. And then, so I'm like, well, yeah. And then you said, well, so you will you marry me? And I remember I felt, I'm pretty sure angels shoved me in the back, just say yes. <clears throat> so I'm like, yes. And then I went home and went, wow. I called my mom and said, mom, guess what? I'm getting married. She's like, to who? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, Dave, okay. The Eclair guy. <laughs> the guy you had me, the hunk, mom. Anyway. Well, and. Fun story. So that was, I mean, preparing you know, we, we both had been preparing our whole lives for that moment. I mean, mm-hmm. that's something that is deeply ingrained in our faith as far as um, having a spouse. And that's somebody that you'll spend eternity with. It's mm-hmm. not just a life pursuit, but it's a it's something, it's a forever thing. Like, that's what the ring represents, right? It just mm-hmm. keeps going in a circle. There's no end to the wedding ring, the wedding band. And so we realized that that was the kind of commitment and that there had to be um, certain values mm-hmm. that were in harmony because that would be critical. And we both knew that. And it wasn't that we were told that that's how it had to be. Both you and I accepted that as a mm-hmm. truth. That was something that was. Yeah, it was never, I don't remember ever being like forced to believe one way or another. I just remember feeling one way or another. And I think, you know, our spirits fell in love first. I think we actually recognized, our spirits recognized each other. Your mom wrote a little poem that yeah. was in a little frame that just, like, she nailed it. That's like mm-hmm. when she, that was like, maybe it was on below the surface within us, but when she wrote that, it was like, it that brought it to happened. the surface. Yeah. It like, yeah, that's exactly it. And she said, our spirits knew each other before we came here to earth, but when we came down to earth, we were separated. Carrie was in Utah and I was in uh, Orange County, California, but our spirits longing to be with each other found a way to connect. And what happened is Carrie's parents moved next door to my brother. We ended up getting married. They moved. And then my brother moved. Yeah. So there was only a short amount of time of a window. There was a short window of time for our meeting to be able to happen. Mm -hmm. And then the whole baseball thing and going to Utah to try and pursue baseball. I mean, just there were some things that, were definitely the law of attraction mm-hmm. um, that brought us together. And so it, she said when their they their spirits met each other here on the earth, their they hearts rejoiced. rejoiced. Yeah. 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 It's a cool poem. I have it in a book. Um, it kind of 
this the last six or seven podcasts that have been um, aired now with Dare to Find Your Voice have focused on the V in voice, which is value. And value has been divided into two parts, core values, and then the value of who you are as an individual. And our story, I think, is such a great representative of the representation of core values. First of all, we both knew our core value as far as marriage went, you know, that it was going to be forever. And a lot of other values are wrapped around that. And and our core values match so well that, you know, that was our first connection. And, and I've found and, and has been um, validated and verified through listening to so many other people who speak about the same thing, that when you know what your core values are and you stay focused on those and they become non-negotiable in your life, it's a, it's a huge anchor in being able to, to grow and to develop into who you're meant to be. Um, so first, do you want to speak to the core values, and then well, I'll talk about the other part. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to be in the way that you want to. You can, you know, ask questions or whatever. But this is a free for all podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so the, our core values were tested before we had ever met. Yeah. Um, and our core values won out. I mean, we were loyal to our core values because we knew that's what we wanted to be. And um, so having that clarity, but I brought with me a lot of flaws. You know that that went along with those core values. Um, and so in every relationship, there's going to be that give and take, right? There's mm-hmm. got to be that forgive, give, forgiving spirit. Um, and I think a lot of people miss out on some of these things, and that's why divorce is so high. And, you know, there's, there's reasons. I'm not going to go into um, making anybody feel shamed or anything like that. There are, you know, absolutely valid reasons for people to, to separate. Um, but in this case for us, I think what's been the, the glue that's hold us together where so many people don't is those core values, but also just as importantly and as essential as that forgiving spirit and, and understanding that perfection is not something that we're going to obtain in this life. Mm-hmm. And, and perfection, what is that anyways? Does that mean that my personality has to meet every requirement that makes you happy? And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. So that giving back and forth, um, the, the giving and taking is, uh, is a, an ebb and flow to life. And, and uh, it's, it brings excitement, adventure, um, you know, all the different emotions that could go along with that. There could also be some... Um, sadness that goes along with that but that's all part of life and experiencing the different dynamics and so our goals the driving force behind our sticking together has been those core values and the main goals that we have long term and even into eternity goals Um, but also we have individual goals and we're individuals that have different passions and and likes and we allow each other to to explore those and to pursue those mm-hmm. um, without being afraid because of the longer term goals that are those core goals that are in harmony with each other, which I know th- that you feel the same way. We haven't had a conversation like around like this, but if we had to give up all of our other goals and pursuits and passions to be able to preserve that those 
most core, most corest. Can I say that? Most core. Corest of the core. Yeah. Values that are the most important to us, we would. It wouldn't yeah. even be a decision. We, but the thing is, is we could try to work around that and try and make those work, which is that's what everybody does. And that's what we do as well. And in there, that's where some of the flaws come out and some of the, you know, the, the regrets that we have. But the forgiving part is that we can forgive and forget those things and, and strive mm-hmm. to overcome. But with flaws, they don't just go away. They keep showing up, right? And it's that it's that effort and that forgiving and, and that ebb and flow that allows us to work those out while we're trying to be individuals as well as a, a, a unity. Do you feel like you're drowning in administrivia? Do you have a podcast you would like transcribed to repurpose as a blog or even a best-selling book? Rhonda's virtual office is the answer to the freedom you crave so you can get busy doing what you love. Let Rhonda's virtual office give you the relief you need. Visit rondasvirtualoffice.com and get some peace of mind today. Rhonda's virtual office is the go-to transcription service for EWN Podcast Network. Yeah, one of the things about core values is that they aren't necessarily constant. They can change as we grow and develop and mature and gain understanding. Our core our core values can do the same. Um, I believe that there, at least for me, there have been core values that have been constant. Um, they've deepened in their meaning. But the other thing about that is that there are so many good, valuable traits, characteristics, beliefs that are all around us. And just because I think a certain value is beautiful, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's my core value. It's not my driving force. And Dave can have values that I respect, but they aren't my core values. And I don't have to have my core values match exactly. His core values don't have to be my core values we can actually um, come together. His a lot of our core values um, complement each other, and there we have some that overlap that are the same. I think the one core for us is that family and and forever um, are a core value that we share, and then the others just they complement each other. So Dave's values aren't my values. My parents' values aren't my values. You know, my teachers, my mentors, my friends, my kids' values, they don't aren't necessarily my values, but I respect their values. But I also know which values are my values, and so it, it allows me to stay on course, which is going to lead me into the other part of value. Because the one thing about me, and you've listened to the last few podcasts, um, if you have listened to the last few podcasts, or if you've known my story, you know, through Mechanic to Millionaire or any other um, medium, I didn't have a lot of um, self-confidence or, or value in myself as far as um, my physical self, my human self. My spiritual self was very strong. My core values, um, the things that I believe in, was very strong. And so because I knew my core values and they were able to be my anchor even through self-doubt and and a lack of self-confidence and things like that, that, you know, in, in the story that I told about us meeting, like I knew when I saw Dave and when I met Dave, when I felt Dave more that, um, we were going to be together. I knew that like almost first glance that he was, it was, it's amazing. Love at first sight. I believe in it. (laughs) Um, 
but it was on a deep level. But my outside self was like, there's no way he's going to call me. There's no way he's going to even want to, you know, go out with me because I didn't have that belief. But because my core values were in place, it's really guided me to be able to discover the value in who I am. And, um, you know, so that's, that's been a journey and, and, and value is a piece that I have found. I feel like it's foundational in growth to be able to understand the value of who we are as, as spiritual beings, you know, shedding all the physical stuff, shedding all of the, the paradigms we've been giving, all the beliefs, all of the mistakes, all of the successes even, and just that piece of me that's, that's the real me, finding the value in that. And then, you know, adding to that, that's the foundation for growth. However, it isn't the first step because I don't think it's possible to really come to an understanding of the value of who we are as individuals without openness and without the setting an intention and without acting and without clearing out all the old faults, you know, misinterpreted um, half truths that we've been living and then being that and uh, actually acting the part. It all has to go together. Um, so anyway, I don't know what you have to say about that. Yeah. Well, it's a learning process too. Like we don't come equipped with how do we handle all of that Mm -hmm. and how do we put all that together? Um, and that's where, you know, individuals will be compatible or they won't be compatible. And one of the things that makes us very compatible, um, is that, uh, well, and first I want to say to is a, attracted, like, uh, I'm very attracted to you. Like you're, you're beautiful. I don't have to go looking for other things <laughs> to find that beauty and that, that physical attraction. Um, and that was, mm-hmm. that was the first thing, right? So, mm-hmm. cause I didn't know you, but I'm like, Wow. <laughs> and uh and I felt the same way. So they say eye candy. <laughs> um so but and that's important. But also these values that you're talking about they're they're not over they're, neither one of those I think they're equally of importance. Um you mm-hmm. you have to have both in mm-hmm. order for that glue chemistry, you know yeah. and so there's an importance for us to take care of ourselves and not let ourselves go and and things like that right and do our best that we can yeah, as yeah. long as we're striving now, you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be a, a the cover of a magazine to maintain that but self-love just, is part of that yeah, you know and, yeah exactly and also on the core values uh one of the things we're talking about in the podcast uh, thomas troward who i've been reading lately and he talks about there are principles, but then there are different rules for that same principle. The principle doesn't change, but the rules of self-government can change depending on the circumstances that the individual is in. And so we both have a huge core value of learning and growing, mm-hmm. and you're never going to end learning, right? Mm-hmm. But do not put me in an educational environment. Do not put me in a classroom <laughs> where it's structured and you have to go every day at a certain time, and you're going to have to take all your general ads, things that you're not really interested in learning, um, and and all of these other things that go along with the educational format of a university. However, that. you, that's like your bread and butter, right? That's the mm. thing that you love. Yes. And and so we both have this love of learning, and, 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 and it's a high priority yeah. for both of us. But we allow each other. That's the thing. We we 
we both are okay with the individualism okay. and and we support each other in that individualism and 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 not have like jealousies or fear or whatever the case might be that end up being the controlling thing and some people who do and they let that become the controlling head all of a sudden now there's a division going on mm-hmm. now there's being a wedge in the in in the relationship which even though you may have some core values that thing becomes the problem and so there are there you have to you have to submit to values and 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 principles in a relationship that are the glue that helps it stick together there has to be something that's invested in the personality from principles and values that are a guiding influence in your life even though they may be different on how the rules of those things are exercised. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it, it, I want to ask you a question. So, um, because neither one of them can stand alone. If I just have all this, you know, value in myself and I don't have core values to ground me in that, you know, that can take me one way where I was and where I have been for, most of my life until the, you know, the past several years, very grounded in core values, but with very little understanding of who I was. And so you were, you were saying the, um, individualism is an important part. And yeah, there was a certain sense of individualism. You know, I already, I knew the things that I like to do. I loved education. And at the same time, I was very, um, confused at my self-worth, right? So my question for you is, has the, um, how do I say? Because for a lot of our ma- marriage, we did, we were individuals, but I also like melted myself into you a lot. And I, I feel like I, I, mm-hmm. I identified myself through you instead of being a separate and right. complete individual. So in the last few years, as I've become more aware of my own value and have created and defined myself through my own individualism and allowed that to be seen, allowed me to be an actual individual, has that, um, what has that done for you? It's been awesome. It's uh, it's uh, it's challenging, but let me the self love. So um, it has to happen on both sides, yeah. right? Because you came, at least in my interpretation, you came with a pretty high sense of your self worth, like as a human being as well as a spiritual Well, and that's being. what's really watching you in this transformation. Mm-hmm. I saw that in you as well. And I think we're, we all come with built-in flaws, you guys. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of those flaws, I th- well, some of the flaws that I think helped to build this, like you said, you know, wanting to be invisible. Mm-hmm. Um, we, I mean, I, I, I'm looking now and listening to you and your story as you've shared it. Some of those are de- were developed before we got married, like, you know, just you're growing up, right? Mm-hmm. You talk about the the school and the acting and, and the teacher saying because you were so responsible, responsible right? Um, I can see how those things were an influence now. But I think what, it was like the perfect storm mm-hmm. to suppress that and, and, and that individualism and, and exacerbate the problem because there were built-in flaws on based on what we believed our roles are as husband and wife, as mother and father, and they stemmed from our upbringing and also our faith. Mm-hmm. And 
really looking now, um, they could have been misinterpretations or they could have been exactly how they were meant to be instilled in that upbringing. And what we've realized, though, is that there were there's other there's more flexibility in there than Mm -hmm. what those roles, what we might have interpreted in the beginning as. Rigid. How yeah? How flexible can they be? And we probably didn't even realize that there was an opportunity to be more flexible. No. We were just fitting into the mold mm-hmm. that was supposed to be that way. And people from all backgrounds are doing that. They come from everybody comes from different backgrounds, different faiths, different cultures. But those flaws are built in. They're they're built in flaws with the roles that we're supposed to play, and as we've been on this personal development journey and recognizing these laws and and understanding more of who we are and and when are we supposed to be who we ultimately could be, has really um, opened up a, a whole lot more, mm-hmm. and you know there there should never be any kind of uh, limitations placed on anybody, mm. and but but the paradigms and those things. They're hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. They can be overcome, but those flaws are going to pop up, and they'll pop up consistently. It's how we learn to respond to them instead of reacting, and and I think that's what we're getting better at. Mm-hmm. I still have some flaws with that, um, where my reactions happen faster I don't, I don't than my have responding. Any flaws anymore. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So sorry, but just that whole individualism, and it's been very cool to see you have this self love that. In hindsight, it's much easier to say and say, wow, I could have had a V8. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's been an unfolding process that has mm-hmm. shed more and more light on both of us. And then other people looking from the outside are just in awe. Um, but even as the unfoldment happens, you guys, in a realistic, practical application, mm-hmm. we're still just real people that are dealing with and trying, sometimes just trying to get through the day in a way that is harmonious and uh you know, um, so there's still these this practical side of being human that's mm-hmm. always in everybody's life. And I, I'm just grateful that um, we do have the common core values, the rules and how you and I see them are different. Mm-hmm. But just it, it really was a match made in heaven. And but it's been a work in progress on our side. So we just talked about yeah. on the podcast, you can't pray and just ask and then get something. You have to do the work. and we've been willing to do our work. And even in that, it's been in our own way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some resistance on my side and and, uh, just different, you know, dynamics of all of that. But uh, that resistance and that, um, uh, it's not conflict, but for lack of a better word, has helped both of us to go back to the core of the core values and to see where we have placed our own rigidity, our own interpretations that have been narrow. And by having that conflict that kind of breaks down those false walls has really opened up a new understanding of what those core values really mean and what our beliefs really mean. And it's such a freeing, beautiful feeling. And it's, you know, I feel more grounded in my values than I ever have. And I always thought I was grounded. I feel more grounded in those values because I've been able to be open to seeing them in a different way and to getting rid of the boundaries and the walls and just knowing that I'm grounded and I have that anchor and to be able to explore who I really am in in other ways that I think, you know, has crashed for a second into your walls and vice versa. 
And by letting that happen and just uh, both of us being open to new possibilities with our values still in place that has helped us to not go, you know, completely. Yeah. One of the the things I was just thinking is we see the value in having values. Yeah. And this is great for you to be able to, in your way, help bring this to the world and enlighten people and help them to see something that you've experienced and that we've experienced together. It's, it's, it's invaluable. Yeah, it is. And it's just the beginning and it's so much fun to know that. So just to wrap it up, I want to, you know, I don't know what each show with you will bring, but I want to do this on a regular basis just to kind of, you know, the Dave and Carrie show. And, um, I've been ending podcasts lately with, so what is it? What do you see in the world that's good? What's some good news that you have to share from, you know, Dave's perspective and what what lights you up? I really love the perception of perspective of everybody's becoming. And it's been an accumulation of different books and reading them about our nature, our true nature. And realizing that somebody who society might look down on um, because of their circumstances, and even in the direst of, of situations in somebody's life, that um, they're still becoming through experience and through um, uh gaining that experience as the individual for themselves. And in that, looking at it from that perspective, everybody's always becoming, the world's becoming. And, and, you know, the, the whole law of progress being the number one law in the universe, there isn't anybody that escapes that progress, no matter what their circumstances might be and what we might think about them. What I'm starting to realize and understand is that everybody's becoming and 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 even in in a scenario where it might look like one negative thing after another is happening for that person and um and without going into too much detail of what that might look like but i mean even just taking somebody who is uh homeless and half starved and their health is deteriorated that person is still becoming and on on a much more profound and deeper spiritual sense. And so if we can just go around looking at people as becoming and not look at the problems that are happening in their lives, but rather the fact that they are becoming and how we can interpret that um, is something that I think is the world. That's what's starting to come out. I think that we're seeing more of that in people in at least in the personal development world that's expanding very rapidly is that there's this sense of becoming and there's a hope. Um, we still have a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong. Uh, there's still a lot of things out there that exacerbate the negative and, and, uh, and publicize that. But I still see everything as, as becoming. And anyway, I don't know what that really means or, you know, as far as that, answering a way I'll probably think, well, I should have said this later. Mm-hmm. Right. But, uh, just, just the, the op, the, the, what do they call them? The, the something optimist, the, uh, the hopeless. no, the, mm-hmm. somebody that's just the extreme optimist. Um, well, I don't know. Uh, um, there's a, there's a saying for that anyways, 
just having that optimi- optimistic outlook um, on not only our own lives and, and our own, you and me and our family, and but the world at, at, at large, it's having that optimistic people. outlook. Yeah. The good news about that to me, I love that you shared that because that, I think more people feel that way than, than we know because a lot of times we keep it to ourselves because someone that's optimistic doesn't want to engage in confrontation and conflict. And so we don't want to speak up and speak out against the people who are trying to make it look like the world is going to hell in a handbasket and then there's no hope. So by speaking up and by letting each other know that, Hey, me too, me too. You know, I see good. I see becoming, I Mm -hmm. see, you know, goodness in people and I see goodness in life. And by speaking up and saying that, then we'll, that will band together and, and I feel like that there will be a greater army of good than a than the small army with a really loud voice that might be, you know, trying to make everybody feel like the world is negative, and it's not. And that's why I want to bring out this good news. So I love that because not only does your perspective of good news, you know, bring good news, but the hope that your perspective brings is really good news. Imagine if everybody, or at least the majority of the world, which I think is, I believe, is the truth. If we all could band together and bring that much hope to the world, if everybody had that perspective, if everybody looked at people and dared to look at people as if they were becoming, instead of thinking like we have to look at their flaws and fight against the flaws, fight against the the negativity, what what would that do? Yeah. And it doesn't have to be this world-changing view on optimism. It's just enjoying the day. You know, enjoying the, the sunset, or yeah. even if it's not a nice sunset, finding something good about it, or somebody held the door open for you, or you had a great conversation with somebody, or maybe it was even just a, a passerby that smiled the right way. You know, just mm-hmm. living in the now and just enjoying things and and uh, and seeing the world through those eyes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a to summarize that. You know, that's been part of a real tangible thing that has happened for me as I've allowed myself to to see myself and to let myself be seen and you know to let go of my my restrictions is that literally I can see the sky differently I used to only think the sky was beautiful if it was blue with zero clouds and the sun shining and um because that I've been able to clear the clutter out of my own emotions, I can look at the sky at any time and it can be gray and dark and gloomy. And that used to just, you know, depress me. (laughs) And I can see the beauty in that. There's always something beautiful to find in, in whatever gloom seems to be around. And that's one thing that literally I've been able to actually like, whoa, it's real. Mm -hmm. So yeah, looking for the, the good in all things and turning it into a game. If you have to at first until you're able to actually really see it, I think is a a well, good little challenge to yeah, offer. and allowing it to be rather than trying to control it to be the way that we want it to be. Yeah, I like that. I do too. Well, thank you. Uh, well, fun. thanks for having me. Yeah, I yeah. look forward to the next one. Yeah, we'll do it on a regular basis. I think it'll be fun. Cool. So, all right, everybody, thanks for meeting Dave with me. <laughs> bye, bye, guys. Okay, bye. bye. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why is it so hard to make a buck? 
(laughs) I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand, and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. This is the EWN Podcast Network.